Hello and welcome to the Coffee with Podcast. Today we're getting coffee with Sheridan Cates, Product Manager at Snapchat. We talk about how Sheridan got into product management, her experience with Google's APM program, and how Sheridan has tackled the biggest obstacle she's faced so far. First of all, thank you very much for giving up a slice of your day today to join me on the Coffee With podcast. My pleasure. I would love to hear about your story starting from the very beginning of how you go from the first associate product manager in the European Google office through to now product manager at Snapchat based in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess that's 10 years overall to, to go through. Um, so uh, yeah, back in, I guess, 2007, um, I found out about the associate product manager role um, in, in Google uh, in London. And uh, the at the time, actually, um, I was... Uh, PM in the London office, um, but actually they didn't have that many roles for PMs um, in there, and so I actually ended up working in the Zurich office. So like I was actually based in London, but commuting to Zurich pretty frequently. All my engineers were out there, so got some experience very quickly into how to deal with remote teams. Um, so that was uh, pretty fun. Um, and then after about a year, they wanted me to move office either to Zurich or to California. Uh, so I decided I would try a little bit of that side of things and moved to Mountain View, um, working on a couple things there. I was working on iGoogle, which was this lovely little customizable homepage uh, that you had for Google back in the day, which uh, got sadly sadly uh, sunset a few years ago. Um, and then I started working on AdWords out of the Mountain View office um, in California. And uh, did that for about four years, but during that time, um, I decided um, for personal reasons that I wanted to move to New York. Um, so moved to New York after a year, um, and then was in New York for kind of nigh on five years, uh, working on different projects. And honestly, it was it's amazing. Like I think like New York is really the best city for me. Um, I think you know San Francisco is wonderful, beautiful if you, if you love the outdoors and stuff. But um, I tend to be more kind of the uh, the brunch and uh, cultural <laughs> cultural amazing. activities and. Uh, New York is just such a fantastic city and like so many different industries and um, you know not just tech which I found really uh, exciting so you meet a lot of people in different areas so New York is my home and I when I left Google um, so I was seven years at Google um, so that brings us up to 2014 um, I just decided that like I knew that if I stayed there I would probably never leave um, and I really wanted to make sure especially having started my career in product management at Google I wanted to make sure that I could actually be a PM somewhere else um, and then my degree is in electrical engineering and computer science and so I kind of wanted to get back into the hardware area as well um, and the internet of things was becoming you know, the hottest thing back in 2014 um, so I left and I joined Canary um, which is a home security hardware startup and make a video camera all in one alarm system temperature all these good sensors for your home to make sure that you're keeping an eye on it when you're away uh, I was there for a year launched the first crowdfunded version of the product so that was also a really interesting insight into the world of crowdfunding hardware um, and then worked at a mobile wireless company called Karma um, which made uh, something like a like a little MiFi that you could take around with you and uh it was just much nicer than the, the general MiFi experience. Um, and then been at Snapchat um, for the last uh, three months, three, four months, um, after having actually taken a sabbatical. So I took a sabbatical between uh, Karma and Snapchat, took some time off, built some stuff on the side, oh, yeah. um, traveled. That's me. Awesome. Where did you travel? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I kind of went back and forward to basically to Europe from here as well. So I did some kind of staycations here. I traveled a lot around Manhattan in some So I went all the way up to like the top of Manhattan. You can go up to like 200 and something street and there's a national park. There's like a state park up there. And like, so I just like walked all over the city. That was kind of wonderful. Um, and uh, I went to uh, Sweden and uh, the Netherlands a lot and Germany and Slovenia and Croatia and back to the UK a little bit as oh, well. Oh, wow. Nice. A little European tour. Yeah, very cool. And you mentioned that New York is like the brunch capital. Like, I'm the <laughs> biggest brunch fan. Like, since moving to San Francisco, like, that has become my thing. So I'm already like, huh, am I, like, in the wrong place? <laughs> like, I should... think you might quite like it here, then. <laughs> you Amazing. should come give it a try. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's not just brunch. I mean, um, I think that the, the types of cultures and stuff that you get here and type the, all the different cuisines and, like, it's just it's just amazing. Like, honestly, I, I really, the, the, the reason that New York inspires me so much is the people. I think, like, every night that I go out, I meet someone completely, like, like different, but, like, so interesting in their own right. Like, a jazz singer who, like, is also, like, a lawyer and, you know, for their day job or, mm-hmm. you know, authors and, like, uh, people running non-profits and um, just all really genuinely interesting and wonderful people here also new yorkers not unfriendly they're definitely busy they are like they're on they're on a mission to wherever it is they're going so like i think if you're like approaching someone who's like super focused mm-hmm. you might get a terse reply but if they have time they're always willing to help I, I i never got that whole thing about new yorkers being unfriendly would you compare new york closer i guess to london in that feel of like you know people are commuting they've just got to get where they've got to get to Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think the thing about New York and London is um, I think New York has everything that London has to offer in many ways. Like, like, they both have an incredible amount to offer, but New York is just way more convenient because it's all, like, squished together in a smaller package. Um, I find that, like, I don't know, with London it's tough. Like, you have friends living in a different zone and, like, you never see them, you know? Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, for the majority, um, you know, it's like everyone's kind of relatively close together in, in New York. It's just much easier. Awesome. And so, cool. obviously, that was a long span of time that you mentioned there of like 10 plus years through that time one I'm like super curious about what took you into product management you mentioned having an engineering background and like what was it that one took you to Google and kind of inspired you to join that team and that company um, but also to move into product management yeah, um, it's interesting because I didn't even know that product management was a thing. Like, that def- definitely didn't, they didn't even mention it, you know, university. I, I went to university uh, in 2000, 2004, so a while ago now. Um, but the, um, I actually, when I was doing my engineering degree, like, I, I enjoyed it, but, like, um, I was kind of, I was doing computer science in the engineering department, and so it, it, they, they didn't tend to have, like, a lot of group, um, like, uh, you know, building. You, you didn't like work with a group or anything. It was very isolated, and so I didn't really enjoy it. So I, I went into consulting, which was uh, <laughs> not the best decision in my opinion. Um, actually, I did take a sabbatical as well. Then I'm, I'm all about taking oh, a sabbatical. Sweet. <laughs> I took a year off after university, um, and I actually worked at Euro Disney for a summer <sighs> to like learn French. That's incredible. <laughs> It was pretty fun. Uh, I will not. I will not lie. Um, but um, then I went traveling. I went uh, to Brazil um, for a couple of months. But then I um, decided I need to earn some money, so I went back to France and, and lived in Paris for the rest of that gap year. And I ended up working at a search engine marketing company. Somehow I found this job at a search engine marketing company, and was an account manager, like building like um, digital search ads for like 
uh, different French companies. But I actually, what I didn't realize I was doing there was actually being a product manager. So um, we used to have this like automated bidding tool platform where like, back in the day, like the auctions were like a lot less intelligent and you could really just like, you could, in many of them you could just bid to position. Um, and so like we had this tool that would let you um, aggregate your ads across all the different platforms and like bid to different positions in search auctions. Um, and whenever the customers had issues, like I would be like, you know, triaging them and like, you know, digging into them with the engineering teams and like, you know, giving them requirements. Didn't even realize that was what I was being like a product manager at the time. But uh, so I went into consulting after that. And uh, because I really wanted to experience a lot of different industries just to try and like say, okay, well, what, what industry do I want to work in? Um, and I went to uh, Deloitte for a year and a half and ended up being on a single public sector client for 18 months. So that really backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was pretty interesting. It was um, the congestion charge in London. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so pre- pretty interesting. Um, but also really, I mean, the timelines that you operate on and like, you know, like four years in the future for a launch day. And, uh, and also consulting was really tough in terms of like, um, there was so much hierarchy and not a lot of ownership. So like, you know, you couldn't really like send anything. Everything had to be checked by like five different levels and like um, just didn't really feel like they cared a lot about the the analyst. Actually, I have a great quote from that, which I tell everyone who asks about uh, going into consulting. Um, I asked, I was this shiny new analyst, super keen, um, and I spoke to the partner and said, well, you know, what are you looking for in analysts? You know, probably like sucking up a little bit, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was trying to be all keen and find out what to do. And he goes, Sheridan, Analysts are like lighthouses in the desert, bright and completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at him and was like, okay, and started looking for a job. Oh my god, that. amazing. Yeah, so then th- that long story is all uh, getting to the fact that um, when you're at Deloitte, people tend to assume you're in finance, at least back then, and I got this cold call from a recruiter saying, I have this really exciting job opportunity for you in finance, like a financial analyst role, and I'm like, okay, whatever, I don't want to be a financial analyst, and they're like, but it's at Google, and I'm like, wait a second, I didn't know Google was hiring in London, and so I started looking on their job site, and saw this like job description called product manager, and I was like, wow, I'd never even knew what this was I realized I'd kind of been doing it at my previous company um, when I was in Paris um, and then I got very lucky I found out that a friend of mine um, that I'd been to university with was working at Google as a, as a marketing person so I went to talk to him and it turned out they were just about to open the associate product manager program oh, into the Google office because the problem with that like product manager position was they all wanted experience right they wanted like five years of you know having already been a product manager um, and that was kind of the cool thing about the APM program and I think you know Marissa Meyer who set it up she was very uh, you know uh, trailblazing in that trailblazing in that respect um, because she uh, took basically you know super keen computer science graduates straight out of university and just believed that if she gave them a really strong network of mentors and uh, responsibilities that they would rise to the occasion um, the technical backgrounds would help them survive in an environment like Google um, and that's why the associate product manager program existed. Wow that's awesome. I've heard a lot about that program. What was that experience like? So I guess the way that it works is um, you it's a two-year program and so you come in and you're placed in one area um, and the idea is that you're supposed to have a really good um, like a big chunk of responsibilities. I was actually on a project um, to start with that um, they 
she, she didn't believe was Marissa didn't believe that it was a big enough project, so she actually took me off of that and put, put me on a different one. Um, so, I, but what I was doing for that first project was um, I Google for the whole of Europe. So it was super successful in the US already, but it was really kind of like lagging behind in Europe. It was a much bigger challenge because um, the way that I Google worked was it was like a dashboard of widgets, and so you'd have a default set of widgets, but you need to be able to like you know the US is obviously one country, and you can be like you know relatively homogenous for what you put on that. You had to work out how to do that for like 27 different countries or whatever, like however many it was that we were dealing with in Europe. Um, and I had, I think, something like 15 different marketing managers that I was wow. liaising with in all the different countries. And so you'd have to work out, okay, what are the, what's the default content that should be on there? Um, you know, and then also how do you like make tools? Because at that point, like every, everyone on the engineering team was just doing it all manually. So like, you know, they'd be like, if you want to change like the default widget in like Poland, like you'd have to get someone on the engineering team to go and do that for you. So we wanted to build tools to make it scalable so that that whole team could just make their own changes. Um, but then also having to put policies in place because um, I think I remember one of the countries wanted a uh, an alcohol blood level test gadget on their dashboard. <laughs> so like, like okay, like how do we like decide whether that's like part of our policies to put on the Google homepage and all that kind of stuff. So so then um, after that first rotation where you do one year. Um, you then do this really cool thing, which is an international trip. So basically, they want these like young grads to be able to like have a better understanding of the cultures of different countries. So we went to Tokyo, China, Russia, and Norway in oh, two wow. and a half weeks. Two and a half um, weeks. It, two and a half weeks. It was not a jolly either. Like people like like look at you and go like, oh my god, you went on this like trip, like you know, for two and a half weeks. We had every hour of every day scheduled. It was like at least 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. every day and sometimes it would be like a 4 a.m. wake up to go to like you know they want you to do cultural things too so you go to the Tokyo fish market um or like you know you'd stay up till like 2 a.m. for the St. Petersburg bridge openings because we went to like on, on a white night wow. where like you know it was like 24 hours online but then we'd also meet with like basically like three out of the four days in every city would be meeting with startups meeting with uh users like doing like uh interviews with them in, the, in those cities meeting with established countries meeting with the Google offices in those countries to, to see what uh, you know what the trends were in the markets um, so that was incredible and also really cool because there was a cohort of like 35 people that I that, like, joined with and so they're all like you know they're all across like countries uh, companies like across the, the world now and so they're, they're a fantastic network um, but then after that you then go to your second rotation and so that's kind of like the way that you get to see a couple of different parts of, of Google and then all of this is all just done like you know you're, you're kind of thrown into it but like, given really strong mentorship really strong leadership like leadership from other people that you work with um, and just learning to be a PM on the job and so looking back over that journey which one has like taken you to many places and I'm sure like experienced many many obstacles is there one in particular that stands out as a key challenge that you had to overcome that has formed the Sheridan that you are today honestly I would have to say the biggest obstacle in my career has been me me and my own head okay okay I think like I have like for a really long period of time like I had such insane imposter syndrome that like I would like you know, I, I joined Google and like I like would get promote. I got promoted pretty quickly through different levels and like you know at one point I was getting like promoted every sort of six months to a year and yeah I still wouldn't even believe that I was any good at what I was doing. Um, I believe that like you know at some point like people would kind of just realize like why, why is she here? like like she doesn't know what she's doing. Um, and honestly, like I think the there was this fantastic training course at Google actually that really helped me get over that, 
which was um, they put you in these kind of like situations where they deliberately tried to make it really stressful and so like everyone would start to see like how they were like operating under pressure and so you wouldn't have time to get in your own way um, and so like when you realize that like even when you like have no ability like you're just doing what comes naturally like the, and then you get feedback from the other people in the session and the feedback was universally positive like so I don't know it just like helps me to understand that like I, and I think this kind of comes back to like many like a lot of theory that comes around imposter syndrome the only way to get over imposter syndrome is to try stuff and keep doing it and just like don't let yourself think about like whether you're going to be good at it or not just try it and then if it uh you know you might fail but like more often than not you probably won't and like it's just going to add your confidence and hopefully make it so that the next time you'll be more likely to try wow that's yeah that's a biggie wow okay i'm like where do i go from here because that's massive um yeah but i think that's that's a massive piece and even that was that um sessions or like the multiple was it maybe just one session at google where that happened and then you're like wow okay i can realize that this is my natural ability and therefore i can learn to trust this because i just have to keep trying it and testing it and every time i realize that it's working i can believe in that a bit more did you find after doing that how did that shift how you then sort of approached staying outside of your own head and not letting yourself be your own obstacle i think it like it just sort of showed me like and i mean i guess like a lot of us are quite data driven in some ways and like that kind of was like a data point to me to be able to point to to be like you know actually that worked out like so let's like keep trying to get more of those data points um so yeah i do think after that after that time i think just like getting like I think a lot of feedback often as well comes from people that like you work with like very much day to day, like all the time. And so I think often you, I definitely feel that sometimes like people will water down feedback or like maybe not be as honest because like, you know, they have to work with you every day and like maybe like, you know, people don't want to be their true selves. Whereas the way that this training course also worked was that it was people in completely random parts of the company that you were doing kind of group exercises with. Mm. And so obviously everyone was respectful of each other, but you had no like skin in the game in terms of like, you know, making sure that you like long term didn't offend someone by being honest or whatever. So like in some ways, like, even though I knew those people less well, it almost felt like I could trust them more because it was um, feedback coming from a different place. So I guess the story there is just like, you know, seeking out like opportunities outside of your day to day because like that way you can build a better picture of like what your set of skills are. Absolutely. And as you say, those people wouldn't be giving almost like protected feedback because they don't need to, like they're not working with you day to day. They're not going to offend you. Um, exactly and ultimately it's kind of you're all in that session knowing that you're looking to improve and so they're almost not helping you by providing watered down or like not quite true feedback amazing wow so that's that's like a biggie how in terms of personal development as a whole like one being able to identify that in yourself two taking part in a a course like you know a program like that at google where you're putting yourself in quite a stressful situation to say i'm gonna i'm gonna try and drop this thing or like get over this thing by doing these stressful situations how how do you think about personal development as a whole and setting yourself goals to improve if you if you do i guess like how do you think about personal development yeah i think the years that i've been the most successful at like making progress are the years where I've set goals and I think sometimes it's like easy to get out of the habit of that um yeah I I, like 
sometimes I just like at the start of the year like set a few things that I really want to do and just try and work towards it um yeah I can't say that I'm good at doing it all the time <laughs> I can't really say anything inspiring we must all like go through these swings or it's like the, the classic new year's resolutions where you set them and either they work really really well or it's like oh crap I've like just not touched that thing whatsoever yeah the year that it worked really well, I had three goals. It was 2014. Um, one was to pass my U.S. driver's license because I had been living here for like a really long time and yeah. not got it yet. It was, just because it was really annoying because I already had a U.K. license. So I was like, why are you yeah. making me take this, like, this practical test again? It's so annoying. Um, and then number two was uh, to join a band because I really wanted to like sing. Incredible. <laughs> Did you? Did it- Yes. yes, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, sung, I sung in a rock band for a year and a half, um, but it, was, it ended very messily, so there's no like recordings of this available anywhere, oh. so you're not going to be able to find that. Um, and then um, uh, the third one was uh, leave Google, um, find like a, a new job, wow. and, uh, and I did all of them. Amazing, amazing. That's incredible. I love also that it's like you didn't necessarily set with the if this was the way that you wrote it with leave google it's not pinpointing like the what exactly of like the next thing it's more i just know i need to do this and what will be will be after that that's very cool very liberating absolutely the the thing about google too is like i mean it's just it is it was an absolutely fantastic place to work and like you know i i it's not like i wouldn't ever go back um you know if it made sense down the line um you know I, i just think it was so important to like make sure that I was more than just Google because like you know down the line like you know you never know like if like your job starts to be at risk at a company and like you've never been anywhere else it becomes yeah. much like you know, I think a much scarier prospect to have only been in one place and like you know have that job be at risk if you know that you can succeed at other places it's less of a scary prospect absolutely so this might be a very big question um but yeah. the next one get ready <laughs> so again just over the span of time I'm just conscious that like in as time passes we sort of mold it all together and forget the kind of really like the small like we remember the big challenges but there's always like so many smaller sort of day-to-day challenges but the question is the big question is um if you were to be starting again or giving advice to somebody that is starting out in their career what advice would you have for yourself or for them as well Oh my goodness. It's a big one. I told you it was going to be a big one. It's a big one. I don't know. I mean, like, I think um, it depends the stage at which we're talking. I mean, if we're talking like when you're like looking at like, you know, subject university and stuff, like, I mean, I feel like, like advice there is like pick the subject that like, leaves the most doors open which is why I was always really happy that I did engineering like mm-hmm. I think it's you know obviously very mass heavy but like I think you can basically go into any career with engineering and like that's kind of I feel very grateful that I, I ended up going into something like that um I don't know I mean like one thing that I've never really been sure about like whether I should have been doing more just like I, I feel like opportunities used to find me a lot um like or like like in like and I'm not saying like in like a oh like you know everything great comes my way wait that's not what I mean at all I just mean like um sometimes I, I didn't I wasn't active enough in seeking out things that I could have been looking for so like you know the the group that Google recruiter just called me on like you know like a whim right like you know I didn't even think about like looking for Google at that point and 
you know, I, I think like things worked out, but like at the same time, I feel like you might have a, you might feel better about your choices if you like, you know, make sure that you're actively looking to see like what's out there and not just like letting things fall into your lap. Um, I definitely did that with my latest job change. Like I, I looked around for a lot of different, different opportunities. Um, and, uh, like, I mean, I took five months like off, like I, I, you know, I, I just didn't work for five months just because I, I felt it was important to, and I'm obviously very lucky and like, and actually that's another thing that I think is really important to take into account. And if you can like build up, um, you know, the funds to be able to take like something like six to nine months off if you can, um, just because like that makes any like terrible job situation so much more bearable. Um, and you know, I think it, it's really like soul destroying to have, you know, be in a job that like you just really, you know, don't enjoy going to every day and if you yeah. take that time out to take the time between jobs it means you won't rush into the next thing either yeah last question because there's been some biggies um but the last question is <laughs> do you have any habits or techniques that you find yourself practicing on a daily basis or that you've like purposely sought out to be practicing on a daily basis to keep strong what i like to call the badass muscle <laughs> honestly like Something I do a lot is like trying to make sure that I don't stay in the tech bubble all the time. So like I am really interested in like just a ton of things outside of tech. And so like I mean I think a lot of people like spend a lot of time on like you know TechCrunch and Product Hunt and all that kind of stuff. Like you know reading all those new product announcements. And I think it's great to get inspired, but like at the same time like it can mean that you're just like you know doing some some of the same of like what's already out there so like I try and stay really like on top of like playing music or like you know going out to see like a lot of different bands and like honestly like, I think there's like really cool things that happen at concerts like for example like I went to a Muse concert and like they had the most amazing show there where like the performers were wearing like infrared um, receivers on their or transmitters I guess on their clothes and so that was actually then going back to a projection that was like putting down like a light show onto them that made it look like there was a puppet, oh, wow. um, like controlling the actual performers. So they were just walking around on stage, and the and the this like display was like tracking them, and like like that kind of stuff. Like you know, it's just so cool. I feel like you can get inspired like from so many different places. Absolutely. Well, like you know, right now I'm like reading up a lot about uh, basic income and like you know the um, you know the potentially how that could you know help society by like you know making it so that everyone doesn't have to worry about like you know where their basic needs are going to be met from and you know then can you try and reboot a different type of economy that doesn't necessarily need to be based around money and you know maybe like the artists and musicians of the world that like never pursued those careers can pursue those careers because they have a basic income but you know I think just like trying to like read outside of your bubble and like be interested outside of your bubble I think that is uh something i try and do all the time to like just be you know be inspired by things that's more than just tech bloody fantastic thank you sheridan that was incredible thank you and <laughs> oh, um, really? a final thing if people wanted to hunt you down online no i'm joking but just like just find you online to say hey or ask any questions yeah where could they find you um twitter's pretty good um i would say twitter for those types of questions um yeah perfect thank you so much Oh, thank you.